in three, two, one. Everything begins with communication. So learning to master this skill can open up limitless opportunities. Most people don't consider themselves good communicators. It's a fact that deliberate, confident, and results-driven communication is the cornerstone to a successful business, meaningful relationships, and an abundant life. My next guest has made it her obsession to help everyday people master communication with simple processes and tools. If you strive for higher purpose or success, then you're going to enjoy my conversation with best-selling author, coach, speaker, and film actress, Renee Marino. Well, hi, Renee. Welcome to the program. We're delighted to have you. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. We're excited you're here, too. We're going to be talking about communication and about your book, Becoming a Master Communicator. And I think you've got some excellent ideas and strategies. So we're going to delve into the book. We're going to delve into your work all around the importance of communication, how it can enhance your career, your relationships, basically your success. So glad you're here. Let's get into it, but let's give a little bit of background because how did you get into the field of communications? Let's go back. You're in high school and let's tell our folks, our listeners a little bit about your background. How did things evolve and how did you end up here? Well, I'm going to take it back even further, Michael, to being a little girl growing up in an Italian-American family. You could often find us sitting around the kitchen table, eating, always eating, talking, sometimes arguing, but nonetheless communicating. And now as I've grown and I've delved into this world of communication, I realized that's where my love of communication began because that was the framework, the core of our family, our communication. And whenever something was upsetting me or I was down, my parents would say, let's talk about it. And I never realized how important those four words were until I left the nest and I started to realize, oh, not everyone communicates the way my family and I do. There's so (laughs) many different ways to communicate. Particularly Italian families. Yes. I'm like, oh, everyone else talks so much quieter and they don't use their hands. So- as stereotype. A, that's right. Yeah. As a young girl, my first love was dance, singing. I got into acting and my big goal was to perform on Broadway. So that was what I focused on all throughout my life. Dance lessons, voice lessons. I starred in every musical in high school. And then when it was time for college, I majored in theater speech, Wagner College in Staten Island, New York. And the day after my college graduation, I was on a plane to Biloxi, Mississippi to be the lead singer in a casino show. And I'm 21 years old. And I was like, I've made it. I was on a billboard on the interstate. So performing was really my love. And I was communicating from all of these different mediums from state, face-to-face, talking with the fans and making those connections. And then 2010 came and I reached my Broadway goal and I continued with several Broadway shows. And in 2013, I was playing the role of Frankie Valley's wife in Jersey Boys on Broadway. I'm on stage one Sunday matinee and I look into the audience and I think to myself, wow, because staring at me from 10 rows back was the legend himself, Clint Eastwood. At this point in my life, I was like, this is my dream. I'm in a Broadway musical about where I come from. And I worked my butt off to get to this point in my career in a brutal business that's often based on who you know, and I knew no one, and based on how you look, which I've been told is too Italian, too short, or too different. So for me, this was a a big accomplishment. We got word that Clint was going to be 
directing the film version of the musical. So they were looking for someone to play the role of Mary Delgado, which I was playing. So my agent and I tried to get me an audition for the role of Mary. Every girl I knew on Broadway was getting an appointment to go in for Mary. And my agent calls me one day and she says, Renee, I don't know what the problem is. They won't see you for the role of Mary, but they'll give you an appointment for one of the smaller roles, one of the angels who sings my boyfriend's back. And even though I hung up that phone so sad and disappointed, I said, what am I going to do? I'm going to go in and audition for an angel. And I'm in the room with the casting director. And he says, Renee, would you like to sing the song first or read the scene? And all of a sudden, Michael, I heard this quiet voice within me say, you have to do this. It feels too right. And before I was even consciously aware, I looked at the casting director in the eyes and I said, Jeff, I was really hoping to come in and read for the role of Mary Delgado. And he looks at me and he goes, I was just thinking the same thing. And I was like, amazing, great. So we're on the same page. Yeah. Yeah, great. So I do the audition that day. I leave there feeling so grateful because all I wanted was the chance. I go back to eight shows a week. Two weeks later, my agent calls me and she says, You're Mary Delgado in the movie. Clint Eastwood loves you. And I was like, Like, it's the most awesome. It's a real moment of my life, Michael. You killed it too. And you know what? I'm just going back in my mind the date. So we saw Jersey Boys in that time period on more than one occasion. I've seen it. I saw it in Toronto as well when it was playing in Toronto. And awesome play. The music's fantastic. The story is great. And one of the greatest stories as far as his deal on a handshake with Bob, I believe, is his partner who did a lot of the writing. So awesome story. And then, of course, the movie. I couldn't wait for the movie. And you killed it in that too. And even from your dance, I've got your video to share with one of my daughters who's a dancer when she trains and teaches. And man, I got exhausted just watching a minute of that thing. Very good. So you've leveraged that experience. And so you've gone into theater and the communication. Obviously, what led you to, hey, you know what? I want to do this as a career. So I know you still do acting opportunities as they arise and when appropriate, but get you into the business world and speaking and working with organizations on how to become, how did you evolve into that? How did you transition into that? Yeah, it's a great question. I'm going to touch upon one other important thing when it came to the movie, because this is what all ties together. And for me, this is what made the light bulb go off that made me realize how everything in our lives starts with communication. And when we learn to master this skill, we become limitless. Mm -hmm. So I'm doing my first movie ever. So picture that feeling. It was like jumping off of a cliff that first day. Never did TV or film before. And I filmed the first day. I meet Clint. He couldn't have been more incredible. And that day and every day that followed, I would sit and eat lunch with Clint Eastwood and pick his brain like a sponge. As I'm sure we all know as business professionals, having the capacity to be what I call a complete listener is one of the greatest and most important parts of being what I call a master communicator. And I would ask him every question, Clint, what was it like when you started acting? Clint, what does this camera shot mean? And I would just absorb everything. A month into the film, I'm eating lunch once again with him and one of the producers of the film. When they start talking about how Clint knew he wanted me for the role when he saw me perform on Broadway. And I put my fork down and I said, do you guys want to hear something funny? I never had an audition for the role of Mary. The only reason I got to read the scene is because I opened up my big mouth in the room and asked. And they looked at each other. They said, what do you mean? We requested you. We said, we want the girl from the Broadway show to come in. And I found out that day that there was a middle person casting associate juggling a few films at once and just dropped the ball. And I share this with you because 
if I did not have the ability and the confidence to speak up in the room that day, I could have missed my once in a lifetime opportunity. And how often in our lives do we hold ourselves back from communicating honestly, from speaking up because we live in this digitally saturated culture where instead of speaking up from our hearts, we text or we send an email. And this story for me is such a powerful representation of the power of communication. I think so too. And what a good background in order to move forward with it, because it's all about that communication, but having the courage to ask those questions and then listening, I think that's a big point. I just really pay attention to that. Now, speaking of that, in your book, Becoming a Master Communicator, you talk about balancing new school technology with old school simplicity. What elements of communication from the pre-digital age are still applicable today? Nothing will replace face-to-face communication in person with someone when you can not only hear their words, see their facial expressions, see their body language, but feel their energy. That is first and foremost part of what I call that old school way of communicating. The second way is picking up the phone to your ear. And yes, now we have Zoom, video communication. That's part of balancing both worlds. But when we're talking just old school simplicity, picking up that phone is a really powerful tool for communication, especially for people who may not feel as comfortable behind a video camera. Picking up that phone allows them to open up a bit more because they're not looking at that person's reactions. And third, writing a handwritten letter. Michael, I cannot tell you how respectful and beautiful it is to take the time to write someone a personal handwritten letter. Because when you think about it, when you write a letter, you know that 5, 10, 20 minutes it's taking you to write this letter. You are focusing only on that person and what you want to say to them. So for me, nothing is more personal. Nothing shows more of a sign of respect. And I just think that it's something that's gotten so lost in our world today. And I say, let's bring it back. I I love nothing more, right, than a handwritten letter, a card for my birthday. I love it. No, exactly. And it's a lost art. They're not even teaching cursive anymore. I know. Oh, my heart. It's like, what's happening? When I talk to audiences, I always ask the question, show of hands, how many of you send out thank you notes? And only a few hands pop up. And I'm like, how many hands ought to be going up? And of course, they all agree that all their hands should be going up. And it's like, literally, it's a lost art. We don't know how to write more. We just send quick emails. We've lost that personal touch to it. And it is a nice personal touch. So I think that's an important consideration. You made an interesting point. We're going to talk about video and the importance of video today and leveraging video. And I know you have a course on that. And I do want to get into that because I think it's where we're going if you really want to level up your game and go somewhere else. But as far as a place of starting in the communication with voice, Voicemail, it's really tough. Everything goes to the voicemail monster these days. Is there anything we can do when we're leaving a message? Some people don't like to leave messages when they're making calls, but where we stand out even in our messaging? Oh, yeah. Get ready for this one, people, because this one is amazing. And I share this in my course with my clients. Forget about leaving a voicemail. How about instead of sending a text message, or maybe you pick up the phone, that person doesn't answer, You don't leave a message, but you send them a video message through text. Hey, Michael, I just want to let you know, I'd love to connect soon. We're going to be in the same town next week. So give me a call when you get this. Thanks. Boom. Not only is it an extension of the phone call, because now we're adding in 
your physical appearance. They can see you. They can feel your energy. But what a nice surprise for them on the other end, because it's like, wow, Renee took the time to send me a video message to let me know that she reached out to me. See, because we have so many different outlets to communicate nowadays, it becomes overwhelming. And what's happening is we're often more disconnected than ever before. And the reason why (laughs) is because we are choosing convenience over true connection. And we can never forget that these applications, texting, even emailing, WhatsApping, they were created for convenience. Quick, simple messages. Michael, I'll meet you at three. Hey, Michael, you good? Cool. Can't wait to talk in person. What's happening is we are relying so heavily on the convenience that digital technology is becoming our mask. We put on a mask. I don't have to really face Michael. I can just type him everything I want to say without having to face him head on. Digital persona almost. Yes, yes, this is where problems arise. And in the book, I compare it to the wizard in The Wizard of Oz. Dorothy and her friends are going to see the Wiz, and he's this great and powerful, mighty, almost like a monster. He is this huge voice, and they first meet him, and it's, oh my gosh, they're intimidated. And then all of a sudden, Toto happens to pull back the curtain, and what we see, as Dorothy says, is a humbug. He's a little man, meek, and he's, oh, you can't see me, because he thinks that he's hiding behind the mask. And that mask is making him great and powerful. But isn't it ironic that he's only able to help Dorothy and his friends when that mask is removed and he's being himself? Mm. And that's what we can think about when it comes to communicating through these digital applications. My definition of a master communicator is a person who knows the right time and place to communicate through digital means and one who knows the right time and place to put the devices aside and have a more direct conversation. Right. And leverage those two. And that brought me to my next question, really. Technology is now part of the world as we know it. I've seen it evolve. All those mediums, we used to, it was all phone calls and then everything. Facebook. I remember Facebook was popular and then parents came on board and then it was like, oh man, I got to get out of here. Yeah, this yeah. is not where I want to. I call it digital the new mall. Like in my day, we went to the mall and we'd see you at the mall. Now people are taking selfies at their games. They're posting everywhere. It's created an issue. The Surgeon General released a report saying it's the number one issue for health and mental health for people is the digital means. So technology is part of that world. How do you suggest we can use it to our advantage? Let's use digital technology, social media to connect us rather than disconnect us. Good point. When we are in a text message, with someone that we care about and you feel any sense of there's miscommunication or a little resistance, that is your sure sign to do this. I created a little rhyme for you. It's this. When you start ruminating, thinking, what does he mean by that? He seems like he's in a pissy mood. Stop yourself and say, when my brain starts spinning like a ball, I must stop and give them a call and pick up the phone and say, hey, Michael, When you text me that, are you upset for any reason? More times than not, the person on the other end is, no, not at all. Everything's good. Boom. You nip any problem arising in the bud and you get right to the heart of a communication matter. That's the way to stay connected. You can also do that by sending them back a video message through text and just say, hey, Michael, just got your text. I just want to make sure everything's cool. You're good? Great. Boom. It takes out all of the wasted time and the wasted energy. 
Yeah. We get off on tangents and my wife always says you need to be open and curious. So rather than react negatively to a stimulus of some sort, or say you see somebody acting poorly or misbehaving, stay open and curious. Oh, I'm wondering why they're that way and inquire and then use that as the form of communication. No, that makes sense. Now, it's becoming really apparent that many people are obviously glued to their devices 24-7. My app even tells me what my screen time is, so I try and reduce that. We often feel that we need to respond to every text and every email immediately and be available for everyone at all times. What do you think about that? Yeah, it has become a world of overstimulation. If any of you are like myself, I am a highly sensitive person. I was just speaking with Kevin Miller on his Self-Helpful podcast, and we were co-hosting, talking about Andre Solo's book, which is all about highly sensitive people. And it was perfect timing because I've been feeling that. There's just so much of everything, right? You can't even go on the computer to open an app to shop for one thing because 12 ads come up, your notifications are going off. It's too much. Really having to self-edit, give yourself boundaries around when and where you're going to connect via social media or via the phone. That's really up to you. And I believe in a lot of ways, this world of digital technology, as amazing as it is, what a gift. You and I get to be here together. At the same time, it's made us have to be a lot more responsible because as you said, it's so easy. We are addicted to the dopamine hit of a notification. We're addicted to answering someone back right away at that moment. So it requires our own discipline to say, okay, Renee, as you're writing this email to your list, you have to put your phone on do not disturb. And that's what I do. And then I put on some music to help me focus and I give myself about 30 minutes at a time. And then I allow myself to check back in because otherwise, like many of you, I will find myself down a rabbit hole and it's 45 minutes later. And then I turn to myself and I go, what was I doing? And there's a half-written email and I'm like, Renee, come on. No, you're exactly right. And there's so much messaging, thousands of messages hitting us, bombarding us. And it's really putting that focus time. I like to do 40 to 50 minute focus groups. I shut everything off. And email by its nature is not urgent. By its nature, if it's urgent, it's a phone call. And I was let clients know, hey, if you need to find me, do a phone call, call the office. Otherwise, I check my email once or twice a day and we get that bell ringing and it's like Pavlov's dog. We start salivating. And how many likes did I get? How many of these did I get? And that's why we have a problem. This episode is sponsored in part by Rainmaker Digital Solutions featuring Active Campaign. Looking to drive growth with customer experience automation? Active Campaign, the number one marketing automation platform for e-commerce, B2C and B2B companies, gives you the email marketing, marketing automation, and CRM tools you need to create incredible customer experiences. Active Campaign is the platform we use to reach, nurture, convert, and grow our business, and you can use it to grow yours. You can see why 150,000 plus businesses like yours choose Active Campaign to help them grow and become preferred in the markets they serve. You can also start your free trial by visiting our website and clicking on the Active Campaign trial link. As a bonus, we'll also give you a digital copy of my book, Becoming Preferred, How to Outsell the Competition. And in the interest of full disclosure, I am a shareholder in the company. And now back to my conversation with Renee Marino. 
So what's the overall benefit in your mind of disconnecting from time to time? You've given some good advice on how to set boundaries for ourselves when it comes to being online too much. Do you have any other boundaries or other rules that you create for yourself from an engagement point of view? I'm going to offer you this, which is one of my favorite practices and I think is most important because the foundation of all of our external communication is the found is the communication we have with ourselves. And that's been the greatest loss in all of this is that it's so easy for us to escape ourselves. I don't want to feel what I'm feeling. I will binge a whole show on Netflix. I'm feeling uncomfortable with what I'm thinking about. I call it the SNC the good old scroll and compare. And I start scrolling and comparing to all the people I see on Instagram. So the way to combat that is to wake up every day. And after you open your eyes, go to the bathroom, do your business, come back to your quiet space, leave your phone out of sight. See, what we often do is we check out of our lives and right into the lives of others because we roll over, we pick up the phone, and if we're not going right into our email, we're hopping on social media. What that does is disconnects us from us. So leave the phone aside and ask yourself this one question, how am I feeling? Then take a pen to paper, old school baby, write it down, allow the answer to come through you. And even if for the first minute, nothing happens and you're like, I don't know why this girl Renee told me to write this, nothing's happening. Good. Keep going. Because what you're doing is invoking stream of consciousness and you're pulling those thoughts from your subconscious mind into your conscious mind through your hand and onto the page. And this is so powerful, Michael, because this gets us in connection with the most important person in our lives, self. Right. And then when we move about our lives and we're ready to have our external communication, we're coming from a place of groundedness and alignment. I think that goes to our whole authenticity too. I like to journal, but I don't like to journal all day. I just do 15 minutes. I have a prompt that pops up. The night before I set up my top three things I want to do. So I have these little Zen moments. And I've recently started trying to take just Friday, Saturday, and Sunday free of the digital. And I just changed mobile numbers here recently and a bit of a mess up with it. So I didn't have a phone for about 36 hours and I loved it. I sat there and nobody could get me. My watch, nothing was working, couldn't get on. And at first it was stressful. And then I thought, you know what? This is good. I'm unleashed. The tether is off, right? So it's putting some structure into your day where you can disengage and start your day on a positive note, have that time for reflection. So I I think those are all important things and as many boundaries. What other things do you do to disengage? What other hacks do you employ? When you are out and about, you're going to Starbucks to grab a coffee, you are taking a walk, have your phone out of sight. Now, what I'm going to say here, many of you may be thinking, yeah, that's logical. But just because it's logical doesn't mean we do it. We operate at this point in our lives as if these phones are extensions of our being. So when you're entering or exiting somewhere, put the phone out of sight, even if it's like a dire email. Because what this does is allow you to have your head up and out, seeing the world, hold the door open for someone. And this is my favorite. When you're online or you're in a doctor's office, somewhere where you're having some idle time, instead of doing what most of us do, because it's automatic, we pick up our phones right away, take notice of the people around you. And if you see something, say something. Mm -hmm. Meaning. If you see something on the person standing in front of you and you're like, wow, that is the coolest jacket I've ever seen. Tell them. Yeah, compliment them sincerely, authentically. Yes, of course. It needs to come from a real place. But that's why I say take notice. And if you find yourself thinking, wow, that woman has such beautiful eyes, tell her. And the reason why is we never know what someone else may be going through. 
And just by right. giving them a sincere compliment, we could be pulling them out of one of the darkest moments of their lives because truth be told, we don't know what's going on in the minds of one another. And that's why mental health is such a struggle. We can't see the problems always that someone may be facing. And by complimenting them, what a gift to bring them out of a possible dark moment. No, that's great advice. I think it, it's good to pay compliments to people, notice something about them. There's always something or a quality that you can pay attention to. You might have nice eyes, could have good hair. If I see someone with really curly hair, I'll ask them, I said, do you love it or hate it? When I was young, I hated it, but now I really love it. I said, it looks really nice. So I'll have a conversation yeah, that or whatever that is. But I think it's a lost art and we have to kind of learn to be able to get back there again. You speak about the importance of seizing every opportunity and you've given a couple of examples, like how you got your roles in theater and acting. How's that served you other than those events in your life? And what holds people back from acting on opportune moments? Many people believe that communication means confrontation. And I'm here to tell you that communication does not mean confrontation. And believing they are one and the same is denying us beautiful opportunities for connection. Let me explain. I cannot tell you how many I've been in a conversation with a friend or a colleague or a client, and I say, you have this great idea at work, or that issue is bothering you in your relationship. Why haven't you spoken up? And the response is one of two. I'm an introvert. I just, I don't like to bring things up. Or I'm a non-confrontational person. And I'm always so floored because I wonder where did that belief start that when you communicate, you speak about what you want or what you need, or you ask a question, when did that become confrontational? Now, can they become one and the same? Absolutely. But by believing that they're one and the same, that holds you back from speaking up and speaking up, Michael, is not just our right, it's our duty. And speaking up from a place of love and grace, because when we do, like myself, by speaking up in the room that day and saying, I really want to read for this role, I capitalized on an opportunity that could have missed me within a second. Yeah. If I sat there and he said, would you like to sing first or read the scene? And I just said, oh man, I can't say, I'll read the scene. And then I'd leave there that day, kicking myself, living a life, never knowing that Clint Eastwood was waiting for me to walk through that door. So understanding and getting comfortable with this practice of speaking up, and here's a quick way to do that. When there's something, whether it's in the workspace, a coworker is doing something that's really bothering you or offending you, or you just want to speak up to your boss about being considered for this new job, go into your room, first ask yourself, what do I want to speak up about and why? The why behind it will make speaking up much easier because if that why is oh, really clear, it's going to help bring you forward. Then yeah. pen to paper, do a brain dump. I want to tell Michael that I believe that I could be on his team because I've been really great for the past 20 years and just let it all flow. Then read it back and do what I call trim the fat. Just create bullet points about the main important factors you want to talk about. Then practice. Don't just practice by repeating it in your head and in your brain. No, aloud. When we speak things aloud, it magnifies what we're saying so we can hear back if our tone matches our intention and we can hear what is really representative of what we want to say. Then we use the beautiful gift of digital technology, send out a text, 
or an email and say, Hey, Michael, can you give me some times that you're available to either meet in person or do a Zoom? I'd love to talk to you. And then when it's time to talk, talk from the heart. Right. I have a method called the connect method. And the last step of that is talking from the heart. It's not about perfection. It's about connection. When you're clear on what you want to say and why, then you can speak up from a place of love and grace to capitalize on those opportunities that are meant for you. Good point. Love and grace. I might add a confidence in there as well. For someone who maybe struggles with communicating with confidence, what's a good starting point for building confidence? Do the thing that scares you that you know you need to do. And I call that imperfect action. So let's use the case of video, right? A lot of my clients need help with getting on video. They resist it. They resist it, baby. And the only way to get past that, it's never how we think. It's not confidence comes first, then action comes second. By acting, even when you're afraid, even when you're unsure, and you do it, you press record on that video, even if you're shaking, when you stop that video, all of a sudden, you realize, I did it. It wasn't great, but I did it. Boom, a little nugget of confidence is developed. And the more you do that, you build a nugget on top of a nugget, and that turns into an armor of self-belief. Do you have any tips as far as men or women and how they can communicate and come across in the actual messaging or tone that makes a difference? Practice is the key for every every avenue of any business space we're in. It's practice. It's getting comfortable. So that way, your first time when the pressure is on isn't really your first time. And men versus women, no, I wouldn't say there's advice that's different one for the other. But at the core, it comes down to your breath. And understanding that the way you're breathing will change everything. And if you're breathing where most of us breathe from the chest, we don't have the proper amount of oxygen. And then, yeah, our voice goes all over the place. We quiver. We're not in our authentic voice. So to find your authentic voice, and it's not about being more high pitched or lower pitch. It's about finding your most honest voice that comes from a real place. Start breathing into your belly. So when you take a deep breath in, you can put your hands on your belly and feel as though you're pushing your hands out when you take a breath in. Picture the image of a tire and your belly's like a tire and you're pushing that tire out. And then when you breathe out, you're contracting your belly. So it goes back in. And what this does is it calms your nervous system down. It gives you a full breath. So then when you go to speak, it's from a place of enough for you to say what you need to say. Oh, that makes sense. One of the chapters in your book, you talk about seizing the opportunity, chapter nine of your book. And what are some of the ways that communication can be used to increase business opportunities, say for ourselves individually, anybody who's listening to the podcast, how can we actually use that? Chapter nine, you go into a lot of detail. What kind of opportunities could we create with our communication? Endless, limitless opportunities. I'm telling you from my own experience, communication is our greatest tools as business professionals. It is the foundation of everything we do, because here's the truth. People want to do business with people that they know, they like, and they trust. Trust. And how can you do that with someone that is not communicating with you? And in this day and age, one of the greatest ways that I believe is through video. Using those videos to extend your communication beyond any reach that you could imagine that you don't have to put budget for. 
in your funds. You don't have to put money aside to fly to meet a client or a potential business partner. You can do it right from video. So using video as an extension of an in-person conversation is one of the greatest ways that I've capitalized opportunities. When I first transitioned from being a professional actor on Broadway and film for decades to then owning my own business as a communication expert, one of the first things I did was started to get on video because truth be told, I didn't know very much about having my own business, but I became a part of Dean Graziosi's Start Over Challenge, where there were 100,000 members in the group. And every day, the homework was to do a live video talking about what Dean taught for that day. And after I shared my first video, I got a flood of messages from people saying, wow, how did you do that? Can you teach me how to do that? Truth be told, at first, I didn't know what that was that they were talking about. But as the days went on, I realized, it's me being myself on video. That's what they want help with. And at the end of the week, Dean's team reached out to me, asked to interview me live in front of the group. And then on that interview, asked if I would be on his top 1% podcast. Six months later, I'm, I just lied to you. One month later, I joined Tony Robbins. It was a free challenge called the Comeback Challenge. 300,000 people in the group. Same thing. Every day I'd go live. Being myself, and I want to really discern that, I was just myself from an honest place. Every day, I would get messages from people. The end of the week, I got spotlighted as the person who delivered the most value to the group, and I won five days to Tony Robbins' private resort in Fiji. Now, I want to say this all came about from me showing up on video. And six months later, I was asked to co-host Tony Robbins and Dean Graziosi's World Summit. And this only came about because I used this element of communication on video. Right. And you too can do the same. And when it comes to our businesses, you have no idea the connections that you will make when people see you showing up, sharing about what you do, why you do it, and delivering value, create that know and trust factor. Yeah, no, it makes a difference for sure, I think. And you have a great course on this, Connecting on Camera, yes. and we'll put that in the show notes, but right. people can get a course, and I know you have over like almost $5,000 worth of value well, that yeah. you provide for people for a few hundred bucks, so it's an, yeah. it's an absolute no-brainer. How do you handle people? You're presentable. We live in a world where we judge books by their cover. You, yeah. You've got it all put together. You're attractive. You're smart. You're intelligent. You have all those, and that's important in today's world. We look at that. What about somebody who doesn't feel that way, or maybe has a poor self-image? I don't know if you ever had a poor self-image. It doesn't come across if you did, but we all deal with that. You've been a teenage girl. You've been comparing to other girls. So I'm sure you've dealt with those issues. I have five daughters and they're all beautiful and smart, and intelligent, and just strong women. They're wonderful women. And I'm married to a strong woman as well, but, and they're all, I think they're beautiful and they are. But what about that person who doesn't feel like, oh man, video, I can't do it. Or maybe I'm goofy or I'm going bald or my nose is weird. I got weird chin or I'm overweight. Camera's out a few pounds. So what advice do you have for them? I want you to understand these four most powerful words the human spirit can hear. You are not alone. Have I dealt with it? Do I still deal with it? Heck yes. Do all of my clients, whether they are experienced on video or it's their first time, they feel it. And guess what? I've had the honor of working with some of the greatest film actors of all time who get paid millions of dollars to be on camera. And guess what? They feel insecure. They don't like the way they look. They don't like the way they sound. So let that first put your mind at ease. 
And second, understand that it's a practice. I spent most of my life in front of a camera having to judge myself. It is really a skill that must be developed because we don't come out of the womb knowing how to watch ourselves on a camera. So it can be really jarring, but the more we do it, the more comfortable we become. And also understanding that it's not about you. It's about the message being shared through you to help serve the people that you are meant to serve. And by you not getting on video, you are denying someone else the gift of your message that they may need to hear to make all the difference in their life or business. No, it's a good point. I've met many people who are physically beautiful and you first meet them, then they open their mouth and they become ugly really quick. Yes. And then I've met people who are not appealing visually initially and they open their mouth and within a minute or two, you fall in love. So your course, the best place to find that is connecting on camera.com. I know you have over 45 different modules that people yeah. can learn from. You're offering a lifetime access. You've got a great promo on it. Go to the website. I know you've been featured on Sirius FM, Variety, People, Yahoo, Huffington, you name it. And what a great example. Your insights are just phenomenal. I love how you've transitioned from your dancing and theater and still doing that, but you've added more to your repertoire now. And thanks for sharing your insights. As Dirty Harry, as your former director said in one of his movies, go ahead and make my day. You certainly have made our day and the days of our audience with your insights. So thanks for sharing with us, Renee. Thank you so much. You just look, you're getting me teary-eyed. That means a lot to me. And it's an honor for me to be able to share this and hopefully bring value to all of you. Absolutely. And again, we'll have everything in the show notes. And so thanks, Renee. Have a great day. Thank you. This podcast is created and associated with Summit Media. My executive producer is Beth Smith and director of research, Tori Smith. The fee for the show is that you share it with friends when you find something useful or interesting. This podcast is subject to copyright by Summit Media. Goodbye.